the guys from Ping, they've kind of shown me how much the equipment matters. I just love that I can hit any shot I kind of want. We're going to be able to tell some fun stories about what goes on here to help golfers play better golf. Welcome back to the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. I'm Shane Bacon, joined as always by Marty Jertson. Marty, we have talked about a lot of things over the last six, seven, eight months on this podcast. But as we know, life comes back to the driver. And I'm so excited today to talk drivers with you and our good friend, Corey Bacon, who uh, doesn't just share a name with me, but you know we've played golf together, we've competed against each other, and one of the great dudes at Ping. So pumped about this conversation. Yeah, the driver's the most important club in the bag. It's the most fun to hit, and uh, this is going to be super fun. I think let's lead off with setting the record straight. Are you guys related, Shane? That's what everyone asks. You know, we're, 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 not, we're not related. Um, I think if you watched our games, you would really understand that. Very different in terms of the way we play the game. Um, Corey, a lot more dialed, a lot more consistent. Uh, I can be slightly more erratic at times on the golf course, but... Yeah, I, I don't, Corey. I want to ask you this. On that note, I don't get to talk to a lot of people with the last name Bacon. Obviously, how? What is your response when people go? So, are you related to Kevin? Because I don't really have a good response to that, but I get it all the time. Shane, I'm in the same boat as you. I have no idea how to respond to that. And you know, it's one of the questions you always get growing up in the '90s, right? Is like, uh, "Hey, are you related to this famous actor, Kevin?" And I would just go, "No, not related." Uh, and just leave it at that. There's no real good way around it. Yeah, I, I lean into the uh, I lean into the I wish a lot. You know, yeah, I kind of yeah. smile and do the I wish. That'd be great <laughs> if he was, you know, my uncle or something. And I got a little bit of the the movie residuals. But yeah, I, I don't I don't ever have a good response. It's a little bit of like being a lefty, and they say, you know, you're hitting from the wrong side of the ball, and it's kind of the dad joke. You you chuckle at, smile, and try to move on. Exactly. Exactly. I think Shane talking about driver design, uh, Corey's the perfect one to do it because he is the ultimate driving machine here at Ping. <laughs> he he does really good on tough golf courses because he can drive the ball very far, very straight. You know, I know we've talked about this concept of having skin in the game, being a being a product designer, and having to use your own product in uh, in competition when it counts. Uh, just uh, really elevates the care factor, the amount of passion you put into it. So Corey's the perfect one. He's been leading our last few driver designs. And um, yeah, Corey, I would say let's kick it off with some high-level perspective on, let's say, Ping's like last decade. Let's say you look at it from 10 to 12 years or so on our journey. We've been very strong on drivers. You've seen our numbers go up on tour, non-staff players playing our driver, leading the driver counts. Uh, golfers from all over the world enjoying our technology. What is your perspective, kind of big picture, on what's given us that kind of anchor to perform so well in the driver category in general? Yeah, I I think we've experienced a, a lot of growth in the driver category because we uh, kind of approach driver design in a very balanced way. Um, you know, in a lot of uh, every time we have come out with a new driver, um, we talk about an improvement or a new feature, but that new feature gets put on the driver uh, without sacrificing uh, anything else about the total driver performance. So um, I think that's a strength of ours is balancing, you know, you want a really high ball speed driver, but also a really playable driver. So a high MOI driver. Um, And then on top of that, I think we've done a, a really industry leading um, job in, in terms of offering a lot of driver SKUs, uh, specifically to fit a diverse set of players, right? 
Um, and so I, I think like the G430 family uh, really encapsulates that, right? Is you have the low spin driver for players who struggle with spin, an SFT driver uh, for um, shot bend correction, left, right shot bend correction. And then the, the, the max head being kind of the, the, the maximum forgiveness uh, uh, driver. And so I think it's, you know, like I said, to kind of recap that, it's a balanced approach is kind of optimizing all the things that matter for driver performance without sacrificing anything else. And then industry-leading fitting options. Corey, can, can you take us back to the first time you were a lead designer on a driver? What driver was that? What was the feeling personally for you? I mean, I in my, you know, my business, I remember kind of the first time I called golf and I was like the main dude doing it. And I mean, it's, it's a wild moment. It's a lot of responsibility, but it's also kind of what you were, you were pushing to get to at some point in your career. So what was that in your world and how did it feel the first few days you were kind of lead designer on a golf club? Yeah, it, it was, uh, it's, it's a very surreal moment for sure. Um, and it's uh, so the first driver that I designed um, was actually the G430 driver family. And, you know, I had been working in design for, uh, you know, about eight years uh, prior to that. I did a lot of work on fairway woods and and some iron designs. But, um, you know, the, the driver leads all the other product categories. And so it's definitely like the 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 main project that everyone wants to get on. And it's a lot of responsibility. Um, and so it's it was you know nervous but also uh you know very proud moment because you have a sense of responsibility to to the company and really yourself to to do the best job you can and the the other crazy thing about the the G430 project family was that whole development process happened during uh kind of covid plant plant shutdown um just a crazy time for me personally um you know trying to work on a driver design mixed with, you know, stuff outside of work that was happening that was maybe outside of our control. Um, but I, I think, you know, despite all of that, I think I, I'm really proud of, you know, the work that we put forward. And um, I think the, the, the results in year one of the G430 family really speak for themselves. Shane, what was the first event you called? Uh, 2016 US Amateur, I believe. I think Joe Buck was sick. And so, uh, it might have been 2015 US Amateur actually, and I was, I was, I was supposed to drive from Connecticut to Arizona, and my wife was going to fly, and I called her and said, "You've got to fly to Dallas and drive the rest of the way because I've got to fly to Chicago and, and call this US Amateur." So yeah, that was uh, that was the first uh, first time I was in the big chair. The reason I brought that up, Corey and I were trying to remember if you called the four ball. Corey played in the, with Matt Simone, our, our metallurgist, right, in the right. in the USJ four ball in Olympic Club. That Corey, was you guys the first four it. ball, right, Corey? Yeah, first four ball. I think it was 2015, and I That's remember right. yep. I remember Joe Buck was calling it at the time, but I wasn't sure if you were there or if you got hired on <laughs> after. But yeah. I, I was I I'd done digital broadcasting at the U.S. Open, so they hired me to do. I think I hosted featured holes at Chambers Bay. And then I didn't really have any other job with Fox at the time to do any other golf. And the producer at the time, Mark Loomis, kind of liked the job I did and it asked me to come on. But I was not a part of the men's four ball, but I did. I was a part of the women's four ball, which was at Pacific Dunes, at Bandon Dunes. So uh, that was actually, core. you'll like this. I was at Bandon calling the, four, the women's four ball. So, you know, you get there a couple days early. I think the coverage was two or three days. And then I had my dad, my uncle, and my best buddy from Arizona fly out. 
So I, in total, was at Bannon Dunes for, I think, like 10 or 11 days. The last day I got breakfast at Bannon Trails, and the waitress walked over and went, oh, you again? And I was like, I think it's time for me to leave. Like, I think I, I think this is the, I, this is the longest stint anybody spent at Bannon Dunes. But yeah, that was uh that was fun. But no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't around for Olympic. How long did you guys go into that? How far did you make it? Uh, we made it into the the last eight teams. So we made okay. match play, and then we won two matches. And ironically, we lost to uh, Sam Burns and Austin Connolly. So a future rider cover, uh, was, you know, it was, uh, we, we played really good. We ended up losing on 17. Um, but, uh, you know, just knowing that loss to a future rider cover is, uh, is good. You know, I'm okay with that. I have a question for the both of you guys on this because I have an experience that I'm sure you guys have an experience as well. Corey, you mentioned playing with Sam Burns. Is there somebody that both of you and Marty, I'll start with you that both of you guys played with that maybe you didn't know a ton about, or was an amateur or a high schooler that when you played golf with them for the first time, you went, Oh man, this is, this guy's the real deal. This guy's going to potentially play tour golf, win golf tournaments, things like that. For I'll go first there. The most impressive for me was uh Sung Yul No, S Y No. I played second stage of Q school with him and I had no idea who he was, <laughs> no idea who he was. And he, he came in second Q school. He made like a 10 on a hole and he absolutely dominated. Like he hit it so far, so high. I felt like I was playing with Tiger Woods. And he went on to win on tour like shortly thereafter. Then I think he had his stint in the military or something. Right, right, but I think right. He's, he had to go do his now, duty, but duty in Korea. Yep. He was the most impressive that I had never heard of and I played with. And he just exploded right after that. Corey, how Corey, about you? do you have anybody? So Sam Burns is, is the one that stands out to me. <laughs> and ju- just there's even a little bit deeper background story there is – uh, Matt and I actually played a practice round with them uh, prior to the uh, tournament. So when you go, you know, when you go to the USJ events, you get two practice rounds on the courses and we ended up getting paired with them in one of them. And like, I just remember after the first couple holes, I was like, this, this kid's going to be on the PGA tour in a couple years. I mean, the difference between him and me was very dramatic. And then, <laughs> you know, five days later, we end up playing them in, in a match. Uh, and I knew we had our work cut out for us that day. Uh, and then the, the, the other one was, uh, um, Ken Tanigawa, uh, the, the assassin, um, he, the assassin baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I actually played him, uh, in the Arizona amateur in 2016 in the finals and he had won the Arizona am in 2015 and then I beat him in the finals in 16 and then he won again in 17. So he, I was the only person between him and a three Pete. And shortly after that, when he turned 50, he got through Champions Tour Q School and then won a, a major, uh, I think the senior PGA and then also the Champions Tour event out at, at Pebble Beach. But uh, you could tell right away um, how consistent and straight he hit it that he was going to do good things on, on the Champions Tour. Yeah, uh, uh, going back to Ping for a moment, a buddy of mine, uh, Casey Broaddus, who grew up in my small town in Texas, I mean, 20,000 people, he was the stud in golf kind of coming out of high school and played college golf and then played the tight lights tour at the time. And I remember he got paired with Bubba and this was, you know, mini tour Bubba. And he said the oh, first yeah. hole Casey hit it, you know, like two seventy five down the middle of the fairway. He said the wind was blowing in the face. And he said this lefty aims 30 right of the fairway and hits like a knee high cut about 310 yards in the middle of the fairway. And he said, it's the only guy he ever <laughs> called his dad after the round and said, 
remember the name Bubba Watson. It's you're you're gonna hear it again at some point. He said he he said he'd like hand painted a shaft pink at the time because obviously he didn't have a club <laughs> deal. But uh, you know, I mean, there are those certain players that you just see in person and you go, you know, this guy is is the real deal. And Corey, I mean, you mentioned some of your accolades. I mean, not just Arizona Amateur winner. You won Arizona Stroke Play in 2019. Marty mentioned a little bit of this, but and it's something I see so much at Ping is. There are plenty of handicaps across the board in terms of design team and marketing and everybody that works on campus. But to have players like you and Marty that are working in terms of design has got to be so helpful because, as Marty has talked so much about on this podcast, being able to go out on the proving grounds and hit clubs and test them out and to use your great abilities on the golf course to lean in a new product is so helpful to a golf company because – you know, you've got the ability to go out there and and see what it's about. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that we look for when we hire club designers. Um, and it's you know, it's 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 nice to as an engineer to be able to design something and then test it for yourself. So, um, and and like Marty always says, it's it's skin in the game. And I think that the more you can understand the problems that golfers face every day. Uh, you can do a better job solving those problems, right? And the way you understand it is you play golf with people, you play golf yourself, you observe things that they struggle with, uh, and kind of all that plays into the empathy of, of, of understanding what they're going through and how can we deliver better product to make their experience on the golf course more fun. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's really important. Yeah, that's a good point, Corey. Is that and, and Shane, as we talk about this, is that as better players, we can you know maybe get more nuance in the feedback, but at the same time, we can't be out of touch with the everyday golfer, right? It's a great point, Corey's. You know, I think building the empathy skills, building those observational skills, knowing that hey, what works for me might not be the right solution for everybody, is also something that we work on and really curate uh, in that space. Corey, I want to go back to driver design. I think you you nailed a point that's very important there in terms of not uh, a balanced approach. I think another way I've kind of looked at that is, you know, I, I think an important point for the listener is that driver designs and technologies isn't just zero sum. And I think that's something that a lot of golfers think like, oh, the manufacturers need to uh, are going to make it more aerodynamic. Therefore, they're trading something else off. The CG's deep, therefore it's going to be high spin. You know, it's high inertia, therefore it's going to be slow, right? We know that we can compound those things uh, and they can be additive together. So can you talk a little bit about how some of the technologies and driver designs that have been more positive some as opposed to, you know, having to make trade-offs? For sure. Um, I think the easiest one that we can point to on a ping driver that makes it stand out from the rest are our turbulators. So that's an example where we made significant aerodynamic improvements uh, without having to modify the crown shape and sacrifice CG location or other mass properties like like MOI. Um, another one uh, on on the G430 family is uh, the face height. So um, we made the faces just a little bit shorter, which allowed us to thin the faces out a bit more. And uh, and get you know a pretty significant ball speed jump on on G430 drivers, and that was without sacrifice to any of the other uh, you know characteristics that we that we think about um, or th- or that we care about. So like typically with a shorter face, you might get a lower inertia driver, but uh, with the G430 family, that's that's not the case. 
And then I think the, the last thing, um, would be the, you know, the composite crown, right. And, um, just the fact of like, we wanted to do it in the ping way where not only do we get a ton of crown coverage, but we wrap it onto the sole as well. And, and really like no sacrifice, maximize the, the, the amount of composite coverage and, and replacing the titanium, um, to really free up as much mass as, as, as we possibly can, uh, to achieve the, the holistic design approach. Corey, a lot of people have asked us that question, like why, why composites now, you know, what change, what limit did we hit in design manufacturing technology that tipped the scales that the time was now with the 430 family to, to integrate composite? Yeah. I, I think that the, really, we just hit the limit for our casting technology. Um, and so, you know, the casting process is how we form our driver and iron heads. And uh, it it's basically involves, you know, pouring molten metal into a mold. And the thinner you make the walls, uh, or, or in this instance, the crown of a driver, the harder it is to get that metal to flow through the mold. And, and so we got to a point on our drivers where we were designing the crown at, um, you know, 17 to 21 thousandths of an inch thick, which is basically like four to five pieces of paper thick. And we just couldn't go uh, any thinner um, just due to the laws of physics, right? And so um, we look, we started looking for alternatives and uh, that alternative came in the form of composites. And the, the benefit of composites is um, the density is about one third of titanium. Um, so, so you can make a part of similar to even slightly thicker, but it will weigh significantly less. And um, it also still has the structural integrity and stiffness that um, that you need in, in that part of the driver. Uh, so it was really the casting limit that drove us to composites. And I really think that it's it'll be the future for, for ping driver design. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a platform that we're, we'll, we'll look to build on in the future. Corey, I know we're just getting out of the the holiday season. I always think about this in terms of club design. You know that scene in Elf where like Christmas is done, and then the the, the head elf's like, "And let's start preparing for next Christmas," and everybody starts <laughs> cheering. I mean, you think about the the G four thirty family and this driver, which has easily been my favorite ping driver that I've ever had, and this is on top of pretty much you know consistently being my favorite driver I've ever had in the bag. I mean, dating back to pre turbulator days how do you continue to build on an amazing product like this and gain speed gain distance gain accuracy what are what are you looking at like how do you go back to the drawing board to create something that's new that's innovative that that performs better than something that's already so great for golfers and so great in terms of modern technology yeah, that's a that's a great question Shane and I always uh, make this analogy for people who ask me that question. If if you've ever done like home renovations uh, in your house, and you know when when you do the work, uh, you notice all the little imperfections, right? Um, like you know, we just recently redid our kitchen, and I can see every little thing that I messed up. But if you're looking at it big picture, no one's going to see that, right? And I think right. the same can be said for you know club design, and um, you know. You, as a customer, are looking at the bigger picture and how do you hit it on the golf course? Is it helping me play better golf? Am I having more fun? Uh, 
you know, me as, a, as an engineer, I'm like critiquing it and looking at all the little things that I think I should have done better. Right. Um, and so there's always, you know, regrets that we have at the end of the project that really spur on the drive to, um, you know, make it, make the, the next one better. Um, and I actually think that the G430 Max 10K driver is a good example of, of an example of a regret that I had um, in the G430 family development project. Um, you know, it was, uh, we got to the point in the, the timeline of the G430 driver family where we had to make a decision on when do we put the, put, or what SKUs do we put carbon fly wrap on? And um, how, you know, are we, do we think it's ready to, you know, produce uh, or, or take to the market and mass produce it? And we ended up choosing to put it only on the LST driver at the time. But I think, you know, a year later, this is us delivering, um, you know, a technology that we feel very strongly about to everybody in our highest MOI and biggest uh, performing or largest footprint driver. Um, and so I, I, I'm really excited about this addition to the G430 family. Corey, let's dive, let's dive deep into the 10K. Let's dive real deep into the Max 10K driver. Um, what are golfers going to notice? How's it going to uh, fly? How's it going to spin? Um, you know, I think when, when you first put it down, Shane, you've hit it. Uh, I'm personally playing it. I love the big shape. Like, how big is it? And totally what are, agree with you. What are some of those uh, char- key characteristics of the, of the driver, Corey? Yeah, it's um it's it's really unique in that it's a blend of the G430 Max driver, so the big footprint, high MOI, very consistent for miss hits, um but has a little bit lower spin profile, uh closer to the LST driver. And I think that's yeah. a, a unique combination in our G430 driver family that um will really unlock uh performance differentiation and, and especially for certain players that need a co- this specific combination of attributes. Yeah, I totally agree, Corey. We've been having a lot of success. Uh, one thing from the fitting side and Shane, we've talked a lot about this kind of, um, the sweet, the Holy grail of performance and equipment. My mind is, is like a Venn diagram of like the best designs with the perfect fitting. And one of those pieces we've been doing with the Max 10K in our early fittings at the Pink Proving Grounds is golfers can play it at a little bit longer length because it's so forgiving because the spin is low. Like normally when you go shorter on your driver length, A, it's because you're trying to center your contact, you know, your your dispersion on the face a little bit. And B, a lot of times in the fitting, we'll go shorter in length to lower spin. Well, now at the 10K, you get some freedom in uh, impact dispersion. You get the lower spin. So golfers have been able to play it a little bit longer length. So Corey, talk a little bit about that, like in terms of, you know, where does the forgiveness stand? What does 10K stand for? And any tips and tricks you have for golfers out there going to look at the different models in the family and, and maybe trying to identify if the 10k might be the right driver for them yeah so the the 10k stands for uh total moi and what that means is when you measure the forgiveness in the heel toe direction and the top bottom direction when you add those up uh the total is over uh and so i think like we already talked about a little bit this this driver fits in um, to our, our driver family really nicely. And I think it completes it. So now we have a, a family of four 
And I talked a little bit about the, the, the other models and then a little bit about the Max 10K. I think that if you're looking like the, the person that would be best suited for a Max 10K driver is perhaps someone who uh, doesn't hit the middle of the face very often, someone who has a level to downward attack angle and might need a little bit of spin reduction, um, yep. or someone who hits it really far. Uh, because they, you know, MOI kind of a, 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 a people think that MOI is for slow swing speed drivers, but uh, high MOI drivers actually mean the most to faster golfers. And the further you hit it, the more it matters. And so I think that if you're, it, you know, if you hit it really far, this driver could be for you as well, because it'll straighten out your, your bigger misses. Um, and so funnily enough, I, I think that if I, all these things I'm mentioning, Shane is probably going in the back of his mind. Yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. Uh, so, oh, it's in the back, yeah. Corey. It is, it's not. It's not coming out. It, you know what's funny is I had a a good buddy of mine, a high swing speed guy, doesn't hit the center of the face a whole bunch. He messaged me a couple of days ago and said, um, "What driver do you have in the bag right now?" And I told him I have I have the new ping driver, the 10K in the bag. And he goes, "Should I wait? Should I wait to?" hit this driver when it's available to the public. And I said, I mean, absolutely. And a lot of this was after reading Cameron Champ talking about the driver in 2023, him talking about how much he fell in love with this golf club. Yeah. And I mean, nobody swings the club faster in professional golf than Cameron Champ. He was talking a little bit about a marriage he felt like with this driver between the Max and the LST. Do you get that sense, Corey? Does it feel like you're kind of marrying like the two drivers that were available in the 430 family almost into one. Yeah, de definitely. And I think like if we go back to those kind of characteristics of, you know, what players would really benefit or fit into this driver category, Cameron Champ um, ticks a lot of those boxes, right? So he swings it really fast and hits it really far. So MOI matters a lot for him because it will correct his slight mishits that for the average consumer might end up five yards offline, but because Cameron champs hitting it three thirty, those misses go 15 to 20 yards offline. Um, and then the other thing is Cameron tends to hit down a little bit on his driver. I think the last yep. time I checked is he was maybe down two on his attack angle. Um, and yep. then the third piece that I think why Cameron really likes the max 10 K driver is he tends to tee it a little lower and and maybe hits the ball a little bit lower on the face than other uh, other PGA Tour pros. And the lower CG, lower spin um, characteristic of the Max 10K driver really gives him optimal performance for where he hits it, his attack angle, and his speed. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's kind of a, a tour-level success, but maybe taking it to the consumer level of – you know, why, why should you choose the max 10 K driver? I would really focus on, you know, if you need lower spin or if, um, if, if you really use all of the face, right. If you have inconsistent impacts around the face, this driver will maximize your ball speed on, on miss hits and, um, really help your strokes gain driving. Corey, let's talk about those thin hits a little bit more. That's the biggest thing I think I noticed going into the 10 K is when I thinned it, uh, I'm playing at longer length. Uh, still, uh, so because it's so forgiving and the head's bigger, it doesn't feel that much longer. Marty, what are you, what are you playing it at? Right now it's 45 and seven eights. Okay. You okay. know, but we, <laughs> I'm, I'm all in on this. This is really fun. 
I still, when you thin it or miss hit it, you, it's not like the feedback goes away. Like you as the golfer, you still get incentivized to hit it, hit the center of the face. But when I thin it, Corey, and I'm on, I'm hitting it on track, man, I get as high or sometimes even higher ball speeds when I hit it low on the face. It might be because when I hit it low on the face, my angle of attack gets a little steeper too. My delivery might be a little bit different, but talk about that interplay of the, the shots low on the face and then spin consistency. We've talked a lot about that uh, over the podcast, how the inertia, the 10 K impacts high, low on the face all kind of play together. Yeah. I, I think what you're experiencing is what a lot of golfers will experience where um, the, the max 10 K driver is exceptional on, on shots hit everywhere around the face, but especially low on the face. And I think it's the marriage of, a lot of technologies, kind of what you were talking about before, right? Compound interest returns. And this is us stacking technologies on top of each other and really improving the performance uh, where we see a lot of pain points with golfers, right? So typically on a thin hit with a driver, you'll get a really low launching, low ball speed, high spin trajectory that may come up, you know, 15, 20 yards short of where you're expecting. And I think that a combination of the low CG of the Max 10K driver with the with the carbon fly wrap, um, consistency, so modifying the roll profile where you get a little bit less loft low on the face, um, which that lower loft is going to deliver more speed and lower spin. And then on, yeah. on top of that, you get the really high MOI, like industry-leading top bottom MOI. So that's going to be the MOI that helps you on miss hits up and down the face. So, you know, stacking all these things one on top of the other is why, you know, some people may even see higher ball speeds from a 0.2 inch low hit or a quarter inch low hit compared to a center hit. Right. Um, I would say that it's yeah. still not going to go as far as a center hit to your point about, we still want to incentivize the, the center hit, but it's going to be way better than, you know, per drivers that, that we may have launched, uh, you know, previously. Yeah. I just saw Andrew, our friend, Andrew Rice, a uh, post about, you know, rec he, 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 I love how he makes very complicated topics, simple for the everyday golfer. He said, you should play with two T heights, have a low T height and a high T height. And I think in practice, I do that. I hit my kind of chip. I, but I don't want it to go short. I tee it low for control, take the left side out. There's some factors with that, some some biomechanical things. But I love that I can tee it low and have super high ball speed. I actually love that freedom of the of the 10K. Um, Corey, talk about just the fitting of the 10K relative to the other models. I mean, one way I like to think about driver fitting is you fit the vertical uh, direction. We use our optimal launch and spin, our tools and co-pilot for that to dial in your like perfect launch conditions based on your angle of attack. And then the horizontal, the left, right. So kind of paint the picture of how the 10K falls in, in, in both of those uh, directions from a 3D fitting standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the like we, like we talked about a little bit before, the Max 10K is, is a nice blend of uh, low spin with really high forgiveness. So vertically, this is going to fit probably between the low spin driver, the LST, which is our lowest flighted driver, and a little bit, uh, so it'll be a little bit higher than the LST, but a little bit lower than the G430 Max. Um, and then our SFT driver will be the highest flighted driver. And, you know, we did make 
one small fitting and design sacrifice on this driver. And it was a trade-off of, you know, maximizing MOI at the sacrifice of a fitting lever. And I think that fitting lever that is everyone will notice is missing in the Max 10K is the uh, CG adjustability or, you know, being able to move the the, the high density tungsten weight into the heel or toe position and pr- promote more draw or more fade. So all of the other drivers in our G430 family, the Max, the LST, and the SFT have CG adjustability, but the Max 10K is a single position weight. And really the design choice was, you know, we're going to go all out for lower CG and high MOI at the at the trade-off of adjustability. Um, so I think for golfers who uh, have a miss in uh, a predominant miss in one direction, whether that's left or right. Um, you'll find that the three drivers with CG adjustability will be easier to fit into. Um, if you, ha- if you generally hit it pretty straight, then, you know, I would definitely rope in the max 10 K. So I think maybe that's one of the common questions that we'll get is, you know, how is this driver yeah. different than the G430 max? And, I think that's a very distinctive difference. Corey, I've got a question for you. So you finish design. I don't know what happens when you're like finalized the project. If you submit it to somebody or Marty takes papers from you or whatever the case may be, but how hard (laughs) is it to finalize a design and then wait to put it in the bag as a good golfer? I mean, what's that? Is that like, is that like December 18th for a seven-year-old where you're just like, get me to Christmas for goodness sakes, like get me to the day where I get to open these presents. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, and I think that, um, you know, we, you know, we, we see the, the first sample run of the driver, uh, you know, a year ahead of consumer launch. Right. 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 So like we're, we're seeing the future really of like what everyone will get to experience and, and we're trying to evaluate, you know, how the driver performs, um, you know, is it, is it meeting our durability requirements and stuff like that. And I think with, really good products, it it becomes kind of this common knowledge of just like after you go out to do a player test and you come back in and you're like, wow, this product's going to be really good. I can't wait to put it in my bag. And it just kind of spreads through the engineering group of like, and everyone gets real excited. And the, you know, everyone's waiting for the date it goes out on tour. And, you know, the first images get put up on the internet. And, you know, we get to see the the world's first reaction to the driver. Um, and I, I think like like Marty and you, I have this Max 10K driver in my bag as well. I've played a couple rounds with it already. And it for, for me, it's I knew it was going to be the driver for me because I love large profile drivers and I really value the consistency of miss hits and keeping balls in play and kind of like like Marty mentioned, that's one of the strengths in my game. And, and so pairing that like the highest MOI driver in the family for me was a clear win. And I don't see it leaving my bag for a while. Corey, one thing I think that is super important to golfers that we tend to not talk about maybe enough is like sound and acoustics. I mean, for G425 driver was amazing. Obviously I think we had you know, some golfers out there yearning for a little different acoustic. Uh, and we made that a very big priority of ours from the innovation design side. Talk about what makes the, what, how, how is the Max 10K going to sound relative to the other models in the 430 family? And then just talk a little bit about how we improve the acoustics, uh, what tools, techniques, uh, that we used to improve the acoustics because the 430 driver family 
Uh, I think all of them sound amazing. Uh, the LST has a little different signature. So kind of compare and contrast all the different models and talk a little bit about what we've done on the acoustic side. Yeah, so the Max the Max 10K driver from a sound perspective will be uh, a little bit louder than the rest of the G430 family, but still, I would say, in the good range of sound. Like a majority of consumers will will, will, will hit the driver and be like, yeah, this driver sounds pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're holding ourselves to a very high standard given the acoustic improvements that we made on the rest of the G430 family. Um, and I, I think this is another good uh, kind of example technology of adding layers and stacking technology for compound gains, right? Is, you know, throughout the entire G430 family, we made a pretty significant jump in um, the satisfaction in the sound that the driver produces. And so yeah. the it, w- without really sacrificing any other performance characteristics. And the way we did that was really taking a fresh look at, you know, what parts of the club are vibrating and pressurizing the air and creating the sound that we hear and how do we attack the, those areas of the club and stiffen them and, 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 and make the driver, you know, really solid sounding and feeling uh, at, at impact. And so some of those tools that, you know, that we use with the innovation team and the simulation team are, you know, modal. And even uh, we run, you know, through an, a, a full acoustic simulation where we can get, a, you know, a sound file out the out on, on the back end after we run the, the driver through a, a sound simulation. And I think that the, you know, just like the adjustability, uh, the CG adjustability piece on the Max 10K, the, the sound is a small trade-off in, 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 you know, going for a very low CG high MOI head and stretching the footprint out is you just have a little bit less mass to play with. So the, the, the two big um, ribs that go across the sole are just a little bit shorter. So they're not quite, they don't stiffen the sole quite as much as the G430 Max or the G430 LST head. Um, but like I said, this is not, uh, we're, we're holding ourselves to a very high standard here. I think overwhelmingly people will say, oh, this driver sounds pretty good. Marty, I don't know who came up with the tagline for uh, the Max 10K, but uh, I think it sells itself. Straighter flies farther. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, it's like, can I hit it straighter? Yes. Does it go as long, if not longer? Yes. All right. I'm, sign me up. I'm in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think another fun thing about the 10K, as Corey just mentioned, was that it's 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 pretty much up. It's approaching the limit on the the USGA size. Like you know, right. there's one of the rules we need to play within is this, you know, five inch by five inch box. 10K is pushed right up to that that limit, uh, and it still sounds amazing and spins low. Like there's been other drivers that have pushed pushed that, but they haven't <laughs> sounded very good, and they haven't uh, been very forgiving on the top bottom inertia standpoint. So. That's really fun. Corey, one other area I wanted to ask you about was um, the HL builds. Like we we have a, you know, and, and talking about our holistic design, we have a build called the HL, stands for high launch. Um, talk a little bit about who that's for, what goes into it from a shaft grip, total weight standpoint, um, and who might be a good uh, customer or, or who would be somebody that might be a good target for that HL build. Yeah, our so our HL build is taking our four G430 heads in our driver family, but customizing the build 
uh, to specifically target slower swing speed golfers. Um, and so through our research, we found that, um, you know, 205 gram head weight isn't necessarily optimal for every golfer. It's kind of a middle of the bell curve uh, where, you know, most people will find success with that head weight. But what we've seen is, is that the, the slower you swing it, the lighter you want your head mass, the lighter you want your total weight of the golf club. And so the HL build, um, you know, reduces the, the, the head mass target from 205, 206 down to the mid 190s, you know, anywhere from like 193 to 196. Um, and then we combine that with a uh, 45 gram HL shaft and then a 40 gram grip. So both of those are in the ballpark of 10 grams lighter than the standard components. So when you put that all together, you get a light head and a light total weight that slow swing speed golfers can swing faster and actually get more ball speed. Um, and I think one of that's another cool aspect of this max 10 K driver is in the HL build, uh, you will be getting the heaviest back weight that we can offer in the entire G430 family. Um, and so it's, it's really like if, if you're an HL golfer, I would still strongly consider this max 10 K driver. It's not just for people who hit down or higher spin, um, because it, 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 it's the most forgiving driver on the market built at lighter headweights. And that's the trade-off that, that we always struggle with. Yeah. So Corey, a couple of things on the HL one is there's, there, there's that different optimal headweight for different swing speeds, right? And that's, uh, comes into that momentum optimization, uh, which is mass times velocity. Uh, and then also squaring the club, right? You make the head weight lighter, total weight lighter. You're going to get, in, in general, you're going to get a more close uh, face to path. Would that be kind of correct in, in the research we've done? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So faster club head speed, more ball speed, optimizing the momentum for slow swing speed golfers. And then, yeah, the lighter you make your head, the easier it will be to square the face. So if you have a right miss tendency, the lighter headweight will really help you out. And and that's why we build our SFT drivers uh, a little bit lighter as well. Yeah, that's a good tip and trick for the the fitters listening out there is consider the HL build that are looking for a lower lofted SFT. SFTs are our most kind of by default CG in the heel goes the most left for the right right-handed golfer. Uh, but the Max 10K with the HL or take the Max put the CG shifter in the draw position and go lighter on the swing weight. Couple great options there to get a lower lofted head that still has a lot that you can fit for the the left right standpoint. Exactly. Corey, I uh, I did an interview one time where it was me and Rex Hoggard, so Bacon and Hoggard interviewing Mia Ham and uh, I thought that that would be maybe the most kind of curated meat, you know, interview I ever did, but this might surpass it. Two Bacons involved uh is something I've been excited about for a long time. So uh appreciate the insight, appreciate all the hard work on this because like I said, I mean, this is in the bag and you said it, Corey, I'm going to say the same thing. It's not coming out anytime soon. I mean, this driver is, is exceptional and I'm so excited for people to get a chance to see it. Yeah. I appreciate the time. Shane and Marty, uh, enjoy the conversation and, uh, yeah, happy new year and let's have a good 2024. Got to be an excellent 2024. Marty, uh, we're gonna have to get together soon and play a little uh, New Year's golf at some point. I need we need to see the the Max 10K in person. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, to me, I like uh, Elon Musk has this simple quote: "Like engineering is magic." And when you experience the Max 10K, like every all the tech that Corey just went into, it literally is magic on the golf course. So let's let's go out there, Shane. Make make it a little yeah, trip to AZ. Get a little magic in your life. Get involved exactly. with Max 10K. Corey, appreciate the time. <laughs> this is the Ping Proving Grounds podcast.